world is bound All 500 songs going head to head for one ultimate winner in showdown. Four eras, circa 77, 85, 86 to 93, 94 to the millennia, mm, and 2002 to Jan 18. Sad, sad days. Hello, Brendan. Phil here. I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Glad to hear it. And how about you with that wonderful t shirt? <laughs> Hello, um, Philip and Brendan. I'm uh, I'm doing the uh, fine and dandy. Thank you very much. Nice, nice. What is the what is the t-shirt that says the edge of wonder? Silver apples. Oh, the silver apples. Mm. I'm playing with them. We there know you we mentioned it almost every show so far. <laughs> it, for me, Matt. Did he bring his big box with the uh, with the like hand pulled lever? <laughs> Have I mentioned it? Just a couple. <laughs> Here's my question for you this week before we jump into it. When would you describe the Falls wilderness years? Oh, well, the, the one, there's one that we're doing today. They, they just did an LP with, it sounded like crappy commercial indie music. I kind of started losing a bit of faith in it. In them. Then it was like a bitter pill to swallow. Was but, that middle class revolt era? Code selfish? I think so, yeah. Middle class yeah. Often seen as the turn because was it the infotainment scam, which is pretty ropey, but was that was went to number nine in the charts or something like that? And um, a bit bizarre times in fall land. How about you, Phil? What, uh, what would you pen as their wilderness years? Well, no, I don't think they went through one period, did they? I think it's it's more of a kind of undulating curve, <laughs> but I, I, my least favorite sonic time to that reformation tlc album which is just awful i hate that so much there's moments on there where i just i i, I lose faith a little bit so there's some like three or four albums in a row and every one had a diff like a totally different lineup for imperial wax solvent post-reformation the one before that i think all three albums had a completely different lineup but imperial wax is pretty darn good so uh well done. Let's get let's crack on. So today we've got English scheme off grotesque going up against Bug Day. Midges. Bug Day off the frightening world of. Then timing off at last off code selfish, which I think is the one maybe you're referring to of the wilderness indie years, Al maybe. Against I think Hey so. Luciani, a single from the Ben Sinister era and from the play of somewhat of same name. Then we've got Northwest Fashion Show uh, off Cerebral Caustic and Reprise, colon, Jane, Prof, Mick off Are You Are Missing Winner? And finally, Latchkey Kid, I'm a Latchkey Kid, <laughs> off Imperial Wax Mulvert up against 
Higgle Die, Piggle Die off Silver Monk Time Tribute. So all in all, a rip-roaring selection. How are you feeling about that, the task ahead of us? I'm looking forward to it. Great to be a part of this number. Yeah, damn straight. It's going to be fun. Let's start with arguably the greatest set of four lyrics. English Scheme off Grotesque. What do you make of that one, Phil? Oh, dearie me. Right, well, this is a classic, isn't it? We've been cooing about it all week on the uh, on the old bunker chart. There's a part of me that thinks, well, this is going through anyway, isn't it? We'll probably get more time to talk about it. So I'm kind of reluctant to dig too deeply into it because it's it's such a bloody masterpiece. The lyrics are absolutely amazing all the way from start to finish. Uh, I just think it's it's funny and scathing in equal measure in terms of the, the satire that's at play. It's self-deprecating in a way that you don't normally associate with the fall as well. The uh, I guess that's why they end up in bands lyric and you know if we just if we were smart we would have emigrated kind of uh, retort at the end of one of the verses. Um, <clears throat> and I think that that musically it's it's kind of that quintessential sound that the classic fall sound that people associate with them like sort of clean and abrasive guitar sounds and that wall of uh, drums dynamic they've got going on. It's it's just, it's possibly the best fall track. Uh, I, I, it's you know in terms of certainly lyrically. So yeah, it's it's amazing. It's an amazing track off an amazing album. Agreed. It is rip roaring, and I think I was thinking about the self deprecating thing because you said it this week. But I think they let himself off. I think he lets himself off. I think the band thing is pointing at other people, and he talks as his brother. And he talks about, well, he doesn't have a brother, but he talks about everyone else other than himself, I think. I don't know. I couldn't find any lyrics where he basically, other than he said, like, if he was smart, he'd get out of there. <laughs> That's the only thing, basically. But again, so much to del- delve into. Al, what do you um, what do you make of this? It's very good, isn't it? You know, it's uh, one that I've known for many a year. Um Keyboards in it remind me a bit of the seeds. I don't, I don't well, I do know why I thought that, like, you know, but, um, and that's, you know, really kind of been mentioned as a, a big influence on the fall. And uh, I think it's, it's coming out a little bit there in the keyboards. But yeah, it's a really good, sort of like, it's a summer song. So it's a great pop song. I don't know if there's a drug references in there or not. It could just be me doing the usual mishearing stuff. I'm not really good with the lyrics, as you, all, you both know. <laughs> just, storytelling, the bits that I pick up, you know, going in the big hassling, which I thought was uh, a, a nice, I saw a reference to uh, hassling, bigging her up. Um, but yeah, it's that punky early sounds, is uh, Bill said stripped down, kind of clean, but punky, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, he's, I, I saw somewhere where it was an interview and he said one of the few advantages of being an impoverished sub-art group in England is you get to see 
if your eyes are peeled, all the different strata of society for free. Yeah, this is a, a pretty good kind of a lampooning of the English. The, the, the line, I mean, I could just quote every single line, but, the, you know, down pokey quaint streets in Cambridge cycle our distant spastic heritage. It's like, um, you know, poking fun at the upper classes, the, the inbred kind of nature of, of that strata of society. And then the one, the one about Haslingdon really got me. It's, I, I always thought it was um, they talk on telly through driving through Haslingdon. I imagined a Granada reports Tony Wilson driving through Haslingdon, talking about like, and here we have a look at look at the look at the stone toilet back gardens, and and then giving his opinions on politics and stuff. But um, but maybe that's maybe that is right. But uh, everyone else seems to think it was a talk on Chile. Yeah, just really really funny and um yeah probably i'm gonna go out there on a limb and say my favorite fall song in terms of lyrics like you said phil it's just um end-to-end hilarity uh, fingers crossed it's not up against a big one listen i just wanted to read this bit from um steve hanley's autobiography where he talks about english scheme and he says uh, one day, one day, Mark comes into the rehearsal space waving a tape at us. Listen to this, he says. It's a rough recording of chirping birds with an ice cream van in the distance. I was getting the milk off my window ledge and I thought, that's the sound of the lower class English summer, that is. We need to get a song out of that. Get on it, lads. Mark Riley started by inverting the sound of the ice cream van as Smith went off to the pub to read the lyrics. And then um, he comes back and he's very pleased with it. Uh, so all in all, a, a good one. Is of that course. where the keyboard sound comes from on the song, then? Apparently. Hey, Ezra, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. How's you? No worries, my friend. We're just talking about English scheme, and it's your turn. What do you make of that? Oh, well, you know, I mean, it's fucking great. It's interesting because I'd never really kind of checked the lyrics to English scheme, apart from, you know, the obvious, like... Uh, points which are now almost kind of cliches you know like like your psychotic big brother he's thick but he struck it rich Switch. and yeah i mean it, it it's it's such a great finely grained description of all of the somewhat terrible or strange or unique or objectionable elements of english culture it, it's just really fantastic and it's and as any song that's about how shit the UK is should be got a really jaunty melody. Yeah, we were just talking about apparently uh, Smith played a tape of an ice cream van to Mike Riley and told him to get on with writing the song, and uh, that's where that comes from. Um, all right, well that's that one talked about. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to talk some more. It's a bit Captain Beefheart that story, isn't it? it? Reminds me of like the electricity thing where he. Um, he asked John French to recreate wind, windscreen wipers for the drums. Make it purple. Make I it think simple. that was a, a bat chain puller. Yeah. yeah. Or was it bat chain puller? Yeah, you might yeah. Have As with everything, take it with a pinch of salt in your cheek. Do you want to know what uh, what Peely's view do is? Indeed. What does what does Peely he's, think uh, of this one? He's been very vocal, actually, of, of late. It's uh, some additional messages coming through on the on the rice paper. More of that later. Um, he said, English scheme is a perfect pop nugget of social observation and classing 
clashing punk beauty. On the album, it's a perfect antithesis to the opener, the equally good but much more brutal Pay Your Rights. I could listen to a band making this sort of joyful noise for a few decades without complaint. Early fall eras lasted far too short a time. Three points. Very good. Agree, agree, and agree. I actually started doing a cover version of the Hall of Grotesque once, but I got run out of steam after the first two songs. So I've got uh, Pay Your Rates and uh, English Scheme somewhere in the in the data banks. But uh, mm-hmm. I'd like to hear those. I'd like to hear a brass band doing those. Yeah, make it so. Let's do it. Let's make it all all happen. Moving on to the big event, Bug Day. Phil, can you do the honours? Oh, I'm so looking forward to this. Keep that going. That's plenty. Well, they've done the rest of it. That's plenty. Well, what what is there to say, Alistair? What do you make of Bug Day? I really like it. I think it's a great tune. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the it's it's kind of the the weirdy kind of fall stuff, a bit like a hit priest or something like that. Which sounds there's a bit the the sinister kind of undertone to it. It reminds me a bit like Twister as well, uh, that, that kind of like sinister feel. Uh, great production. All of the weird noise is kind of very sort of crowd rocky. Um, the lyrics, uh, in the, well, the delivery as well. Again, I don't really pick up much on the lyrics, but yeah, he's, he's getting into sort of, uh, I think he's just talking about being attacked by midges, uh, basically. Um, but yeah, is there a zither on there? It's what? Is there a zither on there at times? I'll check. <laughs> well, that's it. Nice. Good one. Ezra, what do you think of Bug Day? Um, Bug Day, I don't know, as a kind of objet d'art, it's a thing that I, I can admire, but I don't really feel like there's very much to get my fingernails or my teeth into. You know, it, it kind of just hops around like a bug being mildly irritating like a bug and ends and and that's it and it's a very odd tune for that and yeah you know I, I can neither condemn nor praise it really one thing that is kind of interesting is the way that in this era uh, we seem to hear a lot of pitch shifting abuse uh, which, you know, was also on Elves and a few other tracks from around that time. And it's one of my least favourite effects. Pitch shifting abuse. Yes, there certainly was a lot of that about in those eras. Phil, what do you make of Bug Day? I, I feel the same about saxophones. as saxophone up on a record. Um, or a guitar solo in a funk tune. It's, it's just wrong. Um, 
So our mutual friend, Brent, Invisible Stewie, has yes. a particular dislike to this song. And as a result, I've listened to this song more than any of the others this week. And it's, I've, I've gone, I've just, I've, I, I love it. I absolutely adore this song now. I've got to the stage where there's, there's certain words that Smithy uses in it that I just cannot keep it in. I just absolutely piss myself laughing. And when he says that first midges, yeah. I just lose it. I just completely <laughs> And I've also noticed as well, there's been some mispronunciation of the titles this week because it's, it's not Bug Day, is it? It's Bug Day. And uh, it's also later on we've got Iggledy Piggledy. <laughs> it's not Iggledy Piggledy. So, um, so, th- so there's that as well. I, I, do you know what? I, I do actually quite rate this though. The first thing that I, when I was looking at the... Um, the details about the album is I didn't realise there's a frightening side and a wonderful side on the album. And uh, do you know which is which? Because this is on the first... And I, I don't know if there's a theme or whether that's just something that a uh, a, a, a random kind of assignment. Well, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt as I always do in terms of intentionality, your keyword, Brian. And uh, I'm, this is actually on uh, frightening side air. So it's uh, it's it's part of the whole uh, frightening set of tunes. The the midges thing makes me laugh most of all because of that. You know that Stu Lee sketch about crisps, where he's all about the sibilance every time he says the words crisps. And it's like I just think there's a few words going on in this song where he's got that kind of sibilance midges going on, which uh, which I, I really like the the effect of. Is there a cello on this as well? I, I think I can hear a cello. <laughs> The end no of bow. There's an oboe, a cello, a zither. What I really like as well is the whole hypnotic tenko vibe that they get going with that. <laughs> which is like, but you could have, just like in every family holiday in Scotland where you get attacked by midges at a certain point and at midges at a certain point of the day, it's like that tenko thing, isn't it? Where you just, <laughs> just a bunch of them batting flies away from themselves. So, um, so yeah, I've been on a real journey with this one this week. <laughs> I also listened to it more than any other song because I was like, there's got to be something there. There's got to be a point where you listen to this enough and, and something makes sense. And I think conceptually it does make sense. There's, there's the bit where he's sitting on the grass and it's a summer day and he's discombobulated by all these insect noises flying around. Where, where, where me and Ezra live in uh, old Japan town, the cicadas this time of year are, are insanely loud. I don't know how they are around where you live, Ezra, but they are very loud. Wonderful. Yeah, and so um, and and so he's sitting on the grass, and it's a, the 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 sun's in his face and it's buzzing, and then he's like, "Oh fuck, I'm gonna have to get out of here." So he gets on a boat, and it isn't any fucking better because it's filled with numb nuts and he's like i preferred the bugs but not really here's here's something that uh, paul hanley said mark told me to do some drums that were completely random after i'd done it he said they were too random so i had to overdub a more regular pattern and that is the fall in a nutshell so this has grown on me a lot and i've seen a few lists where this has been in like the underrated fall songs but um Unfortunately, you know I've got to mention about the um, the texture 
that, that goes all that there's lots of textural ambient kind of mm. noise in there loads of kind of um the guitar track in the background i really really like i i think it, it it's not like riffy or anything like that it's just noises and, and the it, f- it fills in space in a way that's more like painting than than uh, the music it's it's lucky uh, producing and uh, oh, wow. i think yeah. i've got this down as one of the the true the, the few real psychedelic fall songs i know we talked about this album particularly having some psych vibes and stuff but this is full-on like you'd find this on a 60s kind of psych album that i tucked away on the b-side and um it's it's got its charm but i don't particularly want to listen to it anymore <laughs> which is bad for a piece of music I'd like to disagree on the uh, the pitch shifting though. Would you ever like a pitch shift as well? Piss be- off. <laughs> Season two starting. <laughs> all right. What does Paley say I before we take it? all go on pitch shifts for us. <laughs> See what I can do. Um, what does uh, JP think? So JP tapping into the ether. Well, I, I'm, I suspect it's not going to be too positive. Bug Day is boring and annoying. If I could listen to the first minute of it with a fade out, it'd be a fine transition between two other things on an album. Like 99% of other tracks, Mark makes it worse. As soon as he starts going on with sixth form poetry about bugs, I start to genuinely hate my existence. Waste of wax, nil fucking points. All righty. As always, <clears throat> systematic <clears throat> truth. <throat> All right, let's take a vote then. Al? English theme. Ezra. Obviously, English scheme. And I cannot really say a bad word against that classic. Philip, come on. I've, just, I've, just as a protest vote, I'm going to go with Bug Day, just, oh. I, just purely because it'll wind up invisible street. It's a really great song. You know, it's just really unfortunate up against the... We we all got picked for our contrarian values. I'd be letting the side down if I didn't sort of play that card. (laughs) If only you would do it when it mattered. (laughs) (laughs) Time enough at last from Code Selfish. Come on, rack it up. Time I started thinking all my fits instead of all my back. Now I got time, time on all fat legs. What do you make of T-E-A-L? Well, I went on a very different journey with, with this particular tune. I must admit, the first time I played it, I just thought it was a bit meh and kind of, you know, the and wouldn't really have much to say about it. So um, listen to it a couple more times. And it's, I mean, it might be a reflection of where I'm at in my kind of personal life, but the whole breakup melancholy of it really started to kind of, uh, get into my head a little bit really in that opening line although I don't I don't think it's, it's a particularly linear song I don't think the narrative in it is, is particularly linear but the vibe that he gets going I thought 
I started listening to it in more of an ironic way, where it was like, you know, the break up and the split up, and then it's like he's got all this time on his hands, but this this kind of does he really want all this time on his hands? It was kind of that gap in his life. So I, I so the poetic side of it, I actually really started enjoying after a while. And it's whilst musically it just kind of bimbles along, doesn't it? It doesn't really do anything particularly exciting. Apart from <laughs> What is going on with that middle eight? It's like, the, the, it's, it's, you've got this sort of chilled 90s indie tune that sort of bibbles along, and then it goes into like fame or something for the middle eight, which I just couldn't quite get my head around. It just doesn't quite sit neatly with the rest of the vibe in the song. So, so whilst I did, I did find a way of getting in there and enjoying it and stuff. Um, the, the the middle eight thing I think is a misstep in the in the whole tune, but the the other thing that I was going to mention was um, the drawback of finding out a bit too much about a record because I went I did the whole annotated fall thing. I actually was a bit disappointed with the information that was on there. It started changing the vibe that I'd got into with the record, so I kind of quickly shut all that down and went back to my own little world with it. So I actually quite enjoy it, but I don't think it's the best tune ever. In the middle eight, the danger of toying with keyboards is that we're, oh, we need something else here now. So uh, brass stabs. <laughs> that like a, it's an easy way to give it a little bit of a change of it tone. So well elsewhere. Synth abuse is, is in many ways as bad as um, pitch shifter abuse. Ezra, what's your take on this? I had a very much knee-jerk reaction to this, and I was like, oh, this is just like, what's that other fucking song called? It's a whole subgenre of full stuff, I feel. I haven't found it yet. Haven't found yes, it yet. Yeah. yes, yeah. Where it sounds, it, it, it's like he's just pulled some really kind of like meaningless phrase out of his ass or out of the air, probably in the local supermarket, and then built a song around it. And he does it to great success and massive artistic impact on songs like Succession Man. Um, but then on songs like You Haven't Found It Yet, he does it to much less interest for me. I mean, I, I do have a particular kind of hate spot for this kind of like 90s indie kind of shitty chord guitar music. It really, really pisses me off. Uh, but, you know, having heard what Brendan had to say, you know, like I'm now kind of excited about going back and revisiting the middle eight. But yeah, on the whole, it did not very much for me. Indeed. Alistair. Yeah, um, not the key number either for, um, I thought the, uh, the drums were very pedestrian, the guitar wasn't too inspiring. The bass was quite interesting. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just sounds a little bit on the lame side for my liking. It reminds me of uh, when I used to run the Musicians Collective in St. Helens and you just get like a, you know, like kiddie bands coming along doing a formulaic indie kind of stuff. But, you know, you could compare it to, you know, stuff which is just an abomination like Travis, or, you know, and it's like, you know, the, that is actually the sound of paint drying. Um, but it's it's not it's not a, a brilliant fall song, in my opinion. <laughs> I have a real soft spot for this, unlike Ezra, for this type of weak, piss-poor indie music, not least of all because me and, me and were in 
<laughs> a band that did this kind of stuff <laughs> at our best, at our worst. And um, it just kind of meanders along. And I, I really like the way he, he just sings the title over and over again in the verse, in the chorus, <laughs> in the middle eight. It's like he's got the title plus four of the lines and he just keeps singing it over and over again. <laughs> But I, I just, I, I like it as a contrast to the other fall stuff. I think if the fall sounded like this all the time, we wouldn't be here having this conversation. But I like that they have this era where he, he's just reading stuff, yeah, off the wall and just singing it. But are you talk, Phil, you, when you're talking about the backstory, are you talking about Twilight Zone kind of thing? Yeah, when I started reading about that, I kind of lost a bit of interest, really. I was, I was less interested in that. I watched that episode about six months ago. I watched the first season of Twilight Zone and so Burgess Meredith, the penguin, he ends up becoming the last man on Earth, right? And he ends up... Wasn't it the one where he breaks his glasses? Yeah, so... so oh, right. Yeah, he doesn't have enough time to read all the books he wants to read and, and eventually his dream comes true and he's the last man on Earth and then he drops his glasses and they smash so he can't read anything. I'm sure you could still have a go. But yeah, I don't think That's the... Um, you get to being a nerd. Exactly. Books. What you're reading for. That's the Bill Hicks thing, isn't it? Not what are you reading. What are you reading for? <laughs> I don't become a fucking waffle waitress. <laughs> I believe is what Bill Hicks says. Um, but yeah, I actually like it. It's a, it's a soft spot in my heart, which made this choice a lot harder for me than it seems like it would have been for the rest of you chaps. What does Peel think? So Peely says, Time Enough at Last is a bad indie song. Makes me think of cassette tapes and cardigans. It is a bit. It is a bit uh, I'm not sure why you went in that direction, but uh, kudos. Kudos to you, Mark, for, for taking that side road for those decades. I think he wore a cardigan whilst he was singing this one. Holes in the elbows. A weathered cardigan. Let's uh, let's listen to Hey Luciani, the single from the Codex play, what we've not never seen because there's no videos of it. take this one if you don't mind for me it, the lyrics are the what what got me little by little as i listen more the first uh, similar i guess what you were saying before i was a bit meh when i heard this first it, it, i feel in that they were trying really hard to get something off the ground but it just didn't take off it just doesn't it for me musically it just doesn't uh, that beats nice it didn't really do it for me but the, the more i listened I know the backstory. I was surprised that the, the, the murder of JP1 was 1978. How did I miss that? I thought this was like the 1800s we were talking about, but this is a fairly recent conspiracy. And um, I really like the lyrics. Pope of three, three days. 
the Polish son of hell. You were the first John Paul one. Some really nice turns of phrase. Got me thinking that we have something we've talked about before in the past, Phil, about horizontal versus vertical songs. So there's a horizontal is your blues kind of like, it doesn't really change very much. And then your your vertical are those kind of like elaborate ornate pop songs. You think Lennon versus McCartney. This is a song that felt like it was trying to be McCartney. It was trying to do something ornate and big, but but it actually would have worked better, I think, as, as a, just a straight up more like dirgy blues kind of thing. But um, definitely grew on me, but uh, didn't quite grasp my heart. Al, what do you think of uh, Hey Luciani? I really love it. I think it's a cracking little pop tune. Um, love the, um, the keyboards on it. I'm, Drum sound is the you know snare drumming in an elevator shaft kind of uh, effect, um, very much of its time. Uh, I, I quite like the, the fact that it's a really really happy sounding pop tune, and it's about an assassination. I think that is just absolutely brilliant, and uh, uh, it, that's one of the things that's got me sort of laughing heavily. Uh, over the week, um, as I've done so many of these songs, but yeah, I really like it. I've known it for a long time um, and loved it for a long time. So, uh, and, and the, the backstory, amazing. Yeah, and um, would have been great to have seen that play, but um, mm. all we can do is imagine. I was reading that my friend got with a book, Excavate, that uh, has got a lot of. Uh, fall kind of bits and bobs in there and some essays and stuff and uh, he's got pages photocopied pages from his script which okay, imagine being handed this is like there's writing and then typing and then there's other bits and it's got bits in the middle and it's, it's i imagine it was quite interpretive when the, he gives the, the pages to steve hanley and says oh yeah the pope go and get on because Hanley <laughs> apparently played the pope in the um <laughs> down there uh, but this is all we've got. And I do like the fact that he, he sings, he just sings this like brilliant set of lyrics. Um, just, yeah, more or less just yeah. squeezes them into the uh, into the yeah. tune, no matter what else is happening. Phil, what do you think? So this, the era when this, when this comes out is a little bit of a blind spot for me in terms of not being as familiar with it as I am with other kind of... Uh, uh, periods in the in the folk career so it's i can't i've heard it before and i've heard it a few times so i think i went into it thinking or oh, i kind of know what this what this is about but this musically the start's really strong i like the way it kicks off but it, it doesn't really do anything else i think this is probably what you were getting at before in terms of the vertical horizontal thing it's like it i don't know it's it starts strong but doesn't get any any kind of I don't know. There's no sense of momentum about it at all musically. But the and I'll be I'll be honest. I didn't really pay that much attention to the words because I figured that somebody would fill me in today in terms of the whole historical thing. Somebody would do the know it all game. Um, so thank you for that, Brendan. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, there's a couple of things. sing along to Billy when drunk. It's like that Hey Luciani thing is great to sing when you're kind of a bit cut, isn't it? And you're sort of out in a club. It's like one of them lines. I went on a bit of a dive into Bo Diddley after uh, after the last episode and there's quite a few little tropey trait type things that they lift from Bo Diddley and obviously the hair Bo Diddley thing is something he uses quite a lot isn't it those hair kind of shout out chorus type things and this is another example of that. I um, I think it's a good length 
And I also think it's all it's um, it's another one of those where you can kind of hear the Happy Mondays vibe coming through in it as well, isn't mm. it? Production-wise, the dynamic, it's very, it's got that almost dancey kind of beat about it all. So it's, yeah, I, I enjoy it, but it's it, I think it could have been better. I've never heard this before, and so it was a real pleasure to hear it for the first time. And, you know, maybe it was partly the you know the double whammy of like ennui and just soul crushing depression that was bug day and um you haven't found enough time to look what you were finding to search for it I, it was a breath of fresh air i fucking loved it like uh, i just had this great fantasy of singing this in karaoke and just wishing that the fall were on more karaoke playlists so i i think it's great i mean I, I hear what you're saying about the horizontal versus vertical thing, and that's an interesting concept. But I didn't have enough time to... I listened to this song literally twice, so all I got was the initial impact. And the, the initial impact for me was that this is pretty much what I want to hear in a full song. Like, great lyrics, great riff, hey, <laughs> that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, the best lyric for me is... They said you were of peasant stock, and one day the curia murdered you. Your hermetics are through. And on that fruited plain, the corporate bishops graze. Exit church of poverty. Exit the church of pain. Brilliant, just fucking great. Really wish that I had had the time to geek out on the whole backstory of, of this whole thing, but I didn't. But yeah, for me, this is pretty golden at the minute i'll listen keep listening and see if i get bored of the um horizontality of it i i, I feel from the vibes that you might get another pop at this so let's see where this goes what about <laughs> what about peel he says hey lucian he has excellent punctuation in the title and that makes it better than time enough at last before it even starts the recording sound of this one <laughs> also sounds like the era it was recorded in but it has a groove and the ring-a-ding sound and really weird subject matter make me like it a lot. This is the better side of Poppy Brick's era of fall, where the sound is still dense, filled with different levels of detail, and Mark's vocals are clear and energetic, with all those little nuances that highlight his best performances. I love the bubblegum bop backing by the aforementioned lady. A little bit of a crush there from Peely, I think, on Brick's <laughs> This is also off um, Ben Sinister, right? So this is the one after Weird, uh, Wonderful and Frightened. So Lecky's still on board. I think this is the last one that Lecky produced. It's not on yeah. the album Ben Sinister, is it? Because it's on that singles collection. No, no, it, it was released around the same time. So I don't know if, if um, he'd already gone, if Lecky had gone, because I know <laughs> some Smith was something like, you keep putting all this shit all over everything. <laughs> 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 get out back to basics and um all right let's take a vote i am gonna go i'm torn i'm going for time enough at last gabba gabba hey luciani all righty phil yeah I'm, I'm torn with this as well myself um i think i'm gonna go with hey luciani is the better song purely because that middle eight just confuses me in time enough at last <laughs> ezra oh it's gotta be hey luciani yes and peel has made his his knowledge very clear already on this, but um, yeah, I, I'm happy to have another go at it because, like, the, like we said, like you said, as with the backstory here of the play and the papal intrigue is uh, there's a lot more to dig into than that Twilight Zone rehash. 
Um, I think there is a, it's, it's a, you can dig deep with this one. Yes, good, good. Let us move on to Era 3 Northwest Fashion Show of Cerebral Caustic versus a reprise. Jane Prof Mick off our You Are Missing winner. Can we get a blast of Northwest Fashion Show? Son, uh, Phil, hit us up with Northwest Fashion Show. You were giggling, okay. giggling well, like I... a schoolboy at both of those songs. <laughs> <laughs> Something funny with me. Would you like to show it all? That's all. It's I like the shifting dynamics of the music in this. I really like this. It reminded me of the Everly Brothers, the start of it, and then it kind of drops more into that uh, more rock and roll kind of vibe, I guess. Um, and I, I, I like some of the contrarian production and editing choices that they make on on, on some of these tracks. Um, but the, the thing that really stood out to me about this one was the um, the almost kind of William Burroughs style tape recorder texturing over the top of it that is and i really got into that the more that i listened to this the more that i enjoyed that that um Barosian cut-up stuff going on over the top of it so where it actually left me thinking that I, we i know he's he, he was like familiar with Burroughs and stuff but it, it left me thinking that this is is probably the most kind of um Barosian track that they do out of a, out of quite a lot of things which i would i would point as having that influence so I, I, I went from not quite being sure how to listen to it to actually really enjoying it. It's probably it's one of the ones where I've, I've enjoyed it the most, actually, when you listen. The, the backing tune, after a while, it, goes, it did strike me that whilst I think they're going for that Stooges repetitive note kind of background, they actually start sounding a bit more like Van Halen after a while rather than the Stooges because of the production that they've got going on it. And it was like, I found that a bit off-putting with it. So I think at the beginning, for about 10 seconds, you hear him playing um, an acoustic version, I think, of the song. And it sounds like Queen Bitch by David Bowie. And then I think, I'm guessing, they, they've just built a bunch of stuff on top of it. Um, I, I get what you say about the production, but it's quite hypnotic. It's, um, 
it's quite uh, for me I, i've also said it's a bit of a, a missed opportunity because it's quite a good riff i do get the barosian Bar kind of like thing and it's cool you can hear the tape recorder clicking as he rewinds it yeah. back hugh mcsheep shagger from bolton yeah. And I, as I, I also wonder like what was going on through his mind when he did this kind of fake fashion show and they decided that this was going to be the lyrics for this song. Because the lyrics themselves are straight up um, like um, Monty Python-esque, like straight on the nose, kind of Mr. What was it? Mr. A, ordinary. Person that uh, You're talking about comparing these two songs, uh, Ezra, because um, it, in both of them he refers to Steve going bald but it's two different steves this one is steve hanley and in the next song it's uh, steve the mixer I, I thought this was funny but one of those i was like is there more to it <laughs> and you can get into this fit of mind like once you've listened to something 10 times that there's more to it but i think it's just a decent riff with some some silly uh stuff over the top but um but fun Fun. Maybe it's, it's difficult though, isn't it? Because it's I I think that's part of the fun and also part of the elephant trap you could fall into in terms of decoding some of this stuff. Because you do give him the benefit of the doubt with it, especially like the crappy Jeep Jaguar York that he's, he's making through it all with, with the recording. But it's like, but then you get into this frame of mind of well, is there something else though that he's he's trying to do with it from an artistic point of view? It's obviously precog for when Bricks went on to Gox Fashion Fix a decade and a half later. <laughs> Ezra, what do you uh, what do you make of the of, of the Northwest Fashion Show? I think your theory is compelling, Brendan. Yeah, I mean, it. I feel like it's difficult for me to talk about one of these tracks without the other because they both have become completely fused in my brain, and both of them, to me, are comedy songs. There's a lot of comedy and a lot of other full song English scheme, but I wouldn't say that that's necessarily comedy music. You know, like, I don't think that's comedy music. Whereas these two are just obviously, like, played for laughs. And the Northwestern fashion show, I'm not sure about the content, but musically, it's fucking awesome. It's really, really good. And kudos for them for basically doing a skit over a riff that could have been like a mind-blowingly, insanely good song. <laughs> That's basically my opinion there. I agree. Just I think he would have done Luciani over this. It would have been uh, it would have been better. Next up, we have Mr. Stephen Hanley modeling the bald look. It is it is straight up just silly comedy, which they don't do that much of. And the fact that these two came up together is uh, it's just beautiful. Carl Young would have a lot to say about it, I'm sure. <laughs> Alistair, what do you make of this? Uh, yeah, I quite liked it. It did amuse me. I'm, I'm just having to plug in or else the uh, laptop's going to run out. Oh, uh, hell, not again. Yeah, it's like Mission Impossible. Got two minutes to solve the problem. Yeah, it, it amused the hell out of me. Um, Can you wear speedos next time you do that? <laughs> um, I, I, I will do that for you, so yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's normally fifty p, but for you, I will, we'll, we'll let you off this time. Um, but yeah, the, the Northwest Fashion Sheet uh, scene. Uh, 
shapeshifter from Bolton thing really stood out to me. It, it, it's just the childish sort of kind of this humour and the uh, the childish kind of uh, laugh, the little chuckle that he's doing, the little mocking laugh. Where you can you, there's there's a bit of his personality in it. You can hear that what it is that's amusing him, and it's a, a kind of it is he's taking the piss out of people, and it's the uh, not quite shabbified, it's just being a bit of a bastard, like in, uh, <laughs> yeah, ripping some dudes uh, from Bolton. But they, I do remember uh, back in the 1980s, um, just it's a, to the sheep shaker from Bolton thing, like, you know, uh, we did a Bolton Wonders fanzine uh, where they did a piss take of Springfield Park, which is Wigan Athletics, well, was Wigan Athletics ground at the time, and it was uh, basically making out Wigan as a sheep shaggers. Fair play, um, but it's kind of about yeah, the half time will go ahead cattle on the pitch, <laughs> which I thought was quite witty. Um, that's funny, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but it did. There's that tequila kind of feel to the groove at the beginning of it that I really like, you know. I listen to it and just kind of think tequila at the end of it, but um, yeah, liked it. I think it's a nice, malevolent kind of uh, vibe going on there. And I think he's gently ribbing. I think in both these songs, it, it, it's not, there's not malice in there. However, I'm going to make a point about the reprise uh, when we come round to it. But um, what about Peely? Does he like this kind of uh, nonsense? <laughs> I got a feeling maybe he doesn't have a lot of time for it. All bets are off. Uh, let's see, Northwest Fashion Show is a bad joke with a basic backing track and sums up most of Sterrible Caustic. Shit. Shit. It's very, very childish, and although Smith laughs at a lot of his lyrics when he's singing them, and this one you can hear, like, joy in his voice in, <laughs> in both this one and the other one. <laughs> let's move on to uh, Reprise, so... He's singing Spen is a Bastardo, which is Spencer Bert Whistle, who was the drummer at the time, and he's gently ribbing them. But then they played it live on the tour because it is essentially, a, 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 I've got a theory that he's teaching the band how to play Gotta, gotta See Jane because it, it plays it three or four times with these weird gaps in the middle. And each time the drums and bass are getting tighter and more aggressive. And by the time the third time, when he actually starts singing the lyrics, Gotta See Jane, the drums are pretty fucking pumping. If you listen to the first time through, they're kind of like, you imagine him just, come on, come on, come on. So he's, he's riffing them and he's getting them going and, um, and, and it kind of really works. But then I think it was the tour when the three of them quit, when Bert Whistle and, and the other lads, they all walked out on him in the middle of the, the gig and he had to get those uh, American lads in to finish it. Uh, because the live version of it, he's just going, Spain is a bastard, oh, Spain is a bastard, over and over again. And it sounds really, uh, it seems like at that point, he's, he's no longer gently ribbing them. It's like m malice at the band. Um, um, I felt like it was one of those things where he was just doing something functional, like getting the band getting the band going, but then he decided, oh, no, that's a song as well, and just put it on the album, <laughs> eight minutes worth of it. 
Ezra, what do you think of uh, of the prize? I didn't even mention the fact that it, the racist, the clearly racist voice that he's doing, but I'm sure someone else could pick up on that one. Oh yeah, I, I, I had a few. Yeah, I did notice the 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 racist voice. I mean, this is quite possibly, maybe to me, the worst song. It's even worse than what was it, Dave's baby. <laughs> It's like wrong every time. Ed's bed. But yeah, listening to it, I, I was just kind of like, you know, it's interesting that he hates on Reeves and Mortimer so much, and they're like such big fans, or at least one of them is reported to have been probably until the point where Mark told them he was a cunt or like shot on his comedy or whatever a big, big Fall fan. And I was like, you know, if Reeves and Mortimer ever did like a sketch where they were pretending to do a Fall song, it would probably sound just like this. I'd love to see Reeves and Mortimer doing a, 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 a Well, not just, I'd love to see him doing a sketch, like a regular sketch show, like they did with Greg. So yeah, you know, like my, my general thoughts were, I, and I only heard it twice, once on the telephone was basically what the fuck is going on here and, and what's with that like much too long gap that happens twice in it that was possibly the best part of it for me like musically it was diabolical and like when you put it up against um the 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 fashion show i mean <clears throat> yeah you know like it, it it's interesting because both of them are obviously being played for laughs but at least the music behind the fashion show is bankable Whereas the humor on either of them is a little more uh, debatable, I think is best way I could describe it. This isn't long enough ago to give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> it's um, <laughs> on that kind of stuff. The the um, Operation Utri had already started by the time these songs were made. It was um, the time had been called on that generation, on that era. Phil, what's your uh, what's your take on this? So uh, you you made a comment earlier in the week where you said that he sounded like he's having the most fun when he's shouting bastardo on the microphone, and I I one hundred percent concur with that. That so it does sound like the most energy that he's got in this song. I I picked up on the voices. I was listening to this. I was listening to them all again last night. I was putting some notes together, and when I was listening to this one, <clears throat> I kept thinking. Of, in fact, I, do you know what it reminded me of? And I'm not going to be the context of this. When that person said to us. I think it's racist, but I'm not quite sure how. <laughs> <laughs> listening, listening to his voice, you're like, I'm pretty sure he's being racist, but I'm not quite sure how he's being racist. Because it's like, it's such a mangled job at whatever the fucking accent is he's supposed to be doing. I've got no idea what it's supposed to be. So it's like, uh, yeah. And I also wrote about um, contrarianism as an aesthetic. And I think that runs all the way through this. It's it's like the... Like the um, the editing gaps that uh, Ezra mentioned and stuff, and just the, the kind of whole construction of it—it's—it's it's just like it's just thumbing your nose at the at the audience, really, isn't it? Stuff like that. But it's—I uh, I, I got a bit bored with this one, to be honest with you. I got a little bit bored listening to it. Yeah, throwing your plimsolls out the pram, isn't it? <laughs> a little bit, Alistair. It was really, really funny. <laughs> um, it's just, it's that, again, the stupid Viz kind of, of humour, you know, it's just like really, really childish. 
but essentially it's bullying as well, you know, so let's not forget that. <laughs> um, I, but yeah, again, tequila, similar thing to um, the fashion sh- uh, scene uh, thing, which is a bit of a coincidence in the fact that he's insulting people on the songs as well. Um, but yeah, I, well, I, I quite like the cut up bit uh, and the way it kind of like progresses and at the end uh when they get onto that there's the bit about jane um that's really quite nice like the guitar on that um you know the, the way that everything kind of fits together i thought it was a, a decent surfy sort of tremolo guitar sound to it um thought it was okay liked it the thing to note is the song before this on the album is the actual cover. Got a CGN. So you've just listened to him do the song and then you have seven more minutes of it. Not a bonus track. The last track on the album, the epic, the hymn, is him just doing this voice. I was saying that when he's shouting Bastardo and he's joyful and then he says, all right, lads, let's stop messing around. Let's do the song. And then he just like, it's like he's just trudging through the lyrics for the year. Uh, like them all being like really, really dynamic. <laughs> and he's just, oh, come on, let's get this fucking cover done. It's like, <laughs> but that, that's uh, the Are You Are Missing Winner album, which I do like, have a soft spot for it, is, is a bit of a patchwork. I think they were going through some tough times. All right, let's, let's, um, let's hear Peely and then let's take a vote. So, Peely says, this bops, but by this point of the record, we've already heard this, and it comes across as a desperate attempt to fill space with cutting room drags. I know I've got three points between these two, but this track gets one regardless. It's also not funny, just like the last track. Let's take a vote. Alistair, are you going for Northwest Fashion Show or Reprise, Jane, Prof, Mick? Bastardo. Bastardo, indeed. (laughs) Ezra? Well, you know, this is conclusive proof that something's deeply wrong with the world because in the same podcast where I was forced to choose between Slates and L.A., I now have to choose between uh, fashion show and reprise. Uh, And to me, that's just absurd. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, seeing as there's a gun to my head as as well, um, I'm going to have to go for the fashion show. Okay. Well, I, if nothing else, I'm glad this podcast has taught you that the universe is essentially both absurd and, and completely unfeeling towards your thoughts and the uh, references. I think we've all learned something on our journey through this podcast, haven't we? Exactly. We're having a growth moment. Exactly. Phil Rigby. Northwest Fashion Show for me. All right, and I guess uh, Peely's gone for fashion show. I am going for Bastardo oh, well, also. Peely went for, uh, Peely went for reprise. Did he? Fuck. Yeah. So he, he gave zero <laughs> points in Northwest Fashion Show. Yeah, he just won for this. <laughs> All right, well, reprise goes through then, because I'm choosing Bastardo as well. Also, <laughs> you know, my only drawback was oh God. I thought maybe it was racist. Maybe it was racist, but... Again, I don't know why. What is that voice? So I'm just going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Who's <laughs> it racist again? It's just everybody. Everybody who's a foreigner. The only people who are laughing now are the racists. Um, let's move on to the fourth era. Latchkey Kid versus Higgledy Piggledy. <laughs> 
Well, uh, yeah, listening to it just now, a little bit in my cups, or quite a bit in my cups, it sounds great. Really like it. Didn't like it as much when I was sober. Uh, that's all I have to say. Nice. It's got, it's got some about it. Just a little bit. Alistair? Yeah, um, that wasn't me having a way. Um, yeah, I really like the, you know, you've got the, the solid beat to it. Nice, steady sort of riffs. Um, the bass is quite noisy at times. But I do like the way that sort of like, you've got a straight beat, but the drummers mix in between doing 16s, 8s and 4s, uh, which gives it a nice little dynamic, even though it's just like a, a straight beat. Um, really nice production on it, on it um, with the kit as well. Um, but I think it's a, a good effort all round. Yeah. So this is the first album with Greenway, um, Spur and, and Kieran Mellon on there. So uh, that um, they basically stayed with him for those last five or six albums, right? So Phil, what do you make of Latchkey Kid? We've had a few chats about this one this week. We have, and I've been a bit of joy. I really love the intro! <laughs> <laughs> the whole tobacco and sugar thing, yeah, that was amazing. And, that, and all the way through, once I realised that it was a duet, that really gave me a different way of listening to the song. The fact that it's like Tommy Cooper and Alan Jones doing a, doing a duet. I just think he's absolutely amazing. The, the, him doing his Tommy Cooper voice, I just, that never gets old. I just, I absolutely love that. I really think musically it's it, it it's great. It does get going right from the off, and it's it's got energy all the way through it. But I I, I do find his I find his Tommy Cooper voice really funny and entertaining. But when he puts on his like Rod Jane and Freddie voice for doing the little kid, I I found that deeply uncomfortable to listen to. You've already referenced Operation Utrecht, but it did have that vibe. <laughs> <laughs> I was picking up. But having said that, we've mentioned before about how we actually got into experimenting with his vocal style, didn't he? Sort of in these later albums. And this is a prime example of him doing that. So 
I, I struggled getting into this tune at first. I thought it was a bit meh the first couple of times I listened to it, but the more the more I was picking up on these vocal things going on to it, I became weirdly fascinated with listening to it. And that demonic intro is it, which it doesn't seem to be referenced at all in the rest of the song. It's just this really fucking bizarre, scary, sinister kind of intro to a tune that that might. Eat. So yeah, it was hard. No, it is a bit kind of yew tree It's not quite as bad as uh, Jimmy by the box hole surface, is it? Apparently, <laughs> 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 oh, Gunther Leipzig is Elena's stuffed rabbit, who she puts on Instagram. <laughs> and so if you imagine that he's singing out the rabbit in this voice, and the rabbit is, you can imagine some cutesy daft punk uh, what's he called? Spike Jones style video where the rabbit then has to go around town and he's like, I'm a latchkey kid. <laughs> it's like, yeah. But that voice is a bit creepy. Voice. He's like, I can't do what my sip. He's embodying that character. So, you, you know, um, what's his name? Cat Stevens, <laughs> father and son, where <laughs> he sings the first verse in the, in the, in the, the um, low key. And then he goes to the high key to just signify the octave change signifies the kids. I think he's playing around with that idea, but he's just not doing it very consistently. And it's <laughs> it's as you is uh, when Westlife covered father and son, and they just ignored that part and sung it all in the same voice, or so kind of switched randomly between the two. But yeah. That bass line is pretty gruff, so <laughs> I like it. I'm torn. It didn't didn't it Serge Gainsbury do a song? A bit like that with his daughter. <laughs> See him chuckling. <laughs> the lemony one. The lemony one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, piggledy, piggledy, fell please. But it's a bit of piggledy, piggledy. <laughs> <laughs> the sense would be enough into some very dark <laughs> Save us with yet another monk's cover. Piggledy, piggledy. energetic cover so me and al were in a improvised rock and roll group at the turn of the century called rotter's crimping with paul just, mm. and we did a cover version of help i'm a rock and alistair's voice on that is like oh bloody hell, i'm so confused <laughs> he sings it and um, um that's what he reminded me of when he comes in. I'm so confused. And then he just goes into this brutal thing. And he, he seems really enjoying it. And he really wants to get that way down to heaven. But he keeps missing it the first time he comes in way, way too early. And the second time he comes in late. And the third time it's almost joyous in his voice when he hits it right on. Way down. Yeah. And um, it's, it's fucking great. It is 
a great, great cover compared to Shut Up, the, the last month's cover we, we dealt with, which was a travesty. This is fucking spot on. And again, like this was the only thing they recorded in 2006, I think. So this is between bands. I don't even know who's playing on it, but they fucking knock it out of the park. I think it's still the Americans, the, the, the dude out of White Fence. Um, but it's good. It's good. Ezra, what do you make of this uh, Monk's cover? Yeah, well, until I'd heard this, I had thought that the best fall cover was uh, Funnel of Love. Another interesting thing about the fall is that they do two covers, like I Am Damo Suzuki or Faust Banana, where they're quoting various bands, sometimes more than one band in the case of Faust Banana, but in the case of I Am Damo Suzuki, it's all about the cans. Um, but yeah, you know, they're just collaging stuff together and... The lyrics have got no resemblance to the original tracks, but we've also got like covers like Victoria, like Ghost in the House, like Lost in Music. This is just fucking gloriously brutal and fantastic. You know, like it, it, it's exactly what you would want to hear if someone told you that the fall were covering the mugs. It's great. What on? Phil, what'd you make of this? So, well, just a quick aside, the Wanda Jackson reference there about Funnel of Love, it's, uh, we also were speaking about inappropriate lyrics. There's a tune by her called Fujiyama Mama, which I would recommend having a listen to. Yes. It's got incredibly inappropriate lyrics in it. It, it um, was actually a big hit in Japan, it was. Seriously? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did. She, she got well known over here because of that wow. dodgy single. Yeah. Yeah, the lyrics are wow. crazy. Yeah, the, um, <clears throat> so when I was, put a link in the chat, please. Will do. Yeah, I will do. The, um, so when I, I listened to this, I, I, I had a bit of a kind of uh, recall to the last Monk's tune that we, that we did on here. And then uh, I thought, I'm going to listen to the Monk's tune because I've not, just not heard it for ages. We listened to that, which is brilliant. It's a great track on a, on a Boss album, that. And so then went back and re-listened to this and thought, oh, it's just not as good as the Monk's one. And then clocked that he said Iggledy Piggledy rather than Higgledy Piggledy. And then thought, this is a different song. This isn't a Monk's cover. This is him doing a song called Higgledy Piggledy. And I listened to it like that and really loved it. I really enjoyed it. I totally clocked that break where he just misses it every time. <laughs> so joyous is the, exactly the right word for it. I mean, or half cuts, one way or the other. It's like that complete lack of um, irony about all that. If he sounds pissed, he's hammered, isn't it? It's not like he's trying to affect anything. He's just drunk wobbling around the studio, joyously belting out a classic Monk's cover. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it by the end. I like that magical thinking that this isn't the Monk's cover. This is just a fella making a really fucking top-notch pop song. That makes my decision a lot easier. Do you know the other thing I'm thinking when I was listening to it is it's, is it, it's like, um, you know, like you get those little sample machines that will like drop, like you get a Darth Vader one and it says like 10 things that Darth Vader said. If you had a Mark Smith one, all of those noises would be in this record. <laughs> it's like it's a selection of my favourite grunts and groans and yelps that Mackie Smith uses in his, in his sonic rumblings. It's a joy to behold, Alistair. Yeah, it does sound like they're having a, a lot of fun. One question that I didn't ask before um, on the, the, the Sheep Shagger one, is there a Japanese equivalent? Um, or, or is there a phrase in Japanese that, 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 you know, for, for 
that particular kind of practice so is that just something that the uh, the british are obsessed by ezra <laughs> Uh, in the countryside, people have sex with uh, things like daikon out here. Oh, exotic. Yeah. Yeah, mostly vegetables. Nice. They, were, they were Buddhists, weren't they? So, you know. And there's lots of moist vegetables growing in the fields. Uh, a, a, a particularly well, overripe squash. <laughs> it's all. Fucking Aspen all up there, isn't he? Dragging us down to the dirt again. Um, I'll enjoy myself in the greenhouse later on. Um, <laughs> yeah, I really enjoy the, uh, the, the monks vibe going on there with the higgledy piggledy. Um, really raw kind of sound to it. Reminds me sort of like, you know, the Louie Louie, that kind of, you know, having, having a right good old laugh. Uh, so, you know, it sounds like they're enjoying themselves a lot. Um, and, yeah, I agree with you as well, though, Phil, about the noise that Smith makes. He's, he, he does sound like he's having the most fun of all uh, during that recording. Um, yeah, I liked it. What does Peel make of these two? <laughs> well, in Ezra, <laughs> he says, uh, oh, yeah, we didn't do Let's Kick it, did we? That's right. Let's Kick it is more fucking like it. Bloated and busted bass sound with sugar and tobacco relaxation. I think this is better in the context of the album than it is considered on its own. That said, I really like the sound of it and have been known to walk around the house in a half-dressed state saying, Bo Diddy, over and over to myself. Scuzzy since too. Nice. I did a song called Bo Diddly. And, and the chorus was Bo Diddly, Bo Diddly, Bo Diddly. And it was only about two years later that I realised they'd clearly just lifted it off that latchkey kid song. <laughs> but don't tell anyone. Don't, don't need single die, eagle I do. What does he think about that? Eagle die. Low effort, but entertaining enough for yet another fucking cover version that doesn't really need to see the light of day. It can have a point, I guess. <laughs> he doesn't like covers, does he? doesn't like no, covers, does he, Peely? This I'll tell you what, as well, he says, as for the reports of my death, they are greatly exaggerated. Only a few days ago, I was doing tequila and whiskey chases with David Bowie, who told me his favourite fall song was Totally Wired. David doesn't know shit. Well, <laughs> I'm speechless. Deal with that. So let's take a vote. I am really torn because I don't want to put a cover through but it's a fucking belting cover and um i'm gonna wait i'm gonna take my host's privilege and go last <laughs> alistair what do you what are you putting through well i, I think uh, phil's argument that it's actually a false song uh is swear it for me uh, and i'm going higgledy piggledy nice ezra yeah i'm going with the higgles and the piggles oh philip Oh, I'm really torn. Even with the whole Iggledy Piggledy thing, I just love that Tommy Cooperiness that's going on in Last Key Kid. It's I'm I'm really really struggling with this. Um, uh, I'm going Last Key Kid. And Peel's gone Last Key Kid, right? Uh, yeah. I'm guessing after his his, <laughs> his takedown of the cover, I um. Whew, I gotta, I gotta go with, I've gotta go with the thing that's that, that's got a little bit more interest to it because it's come from Smithy's heart and head, and nowhere else does he do that weird voice thing. He's put some thought into it, so I'm going with Latchkey Kid, even though 
I really do think Illegally is the better rendition of a song, but uh, that's going to have to go in the second chance box. So Latchkey Kid goes through. Recapping this evening, English Scheme goes through. Hey Luciani goes through. Bastardo reprise Jane Prof Mick somehow goes through. And Latchkey Kid all making their way into the second round. So what what have you chaps got to say for yourself? Anything? Yeah, Brendan, have you changed your shirt since you left for your holiday? I did a week in Okinawa. It's as fresh as it was when I put it on. <laughs> I've had so much fun listening to these records this week. It's, it's proper made me laugh. And this uh, today has really made me laugh as well. So good luck editing that. It's a lot of fun, wasn't it? So I've enjoyed it. It's great to be back in chat. If only for the shits and giggles. I'm big coming up, so I shall see you all got a guest next week, as I believe. Yeah, I hope so. I'll have to confirm that, but I think it should happen. More the merrier is. Alright, well, take it easy, my friend. I shall see you on the other side. Fabulous. Bye-bye. Thank you.